Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly recap for HBO's Two Girls, One Cup of a TV show. A Game of Thrones. Uh, my name is Doug. With me, as always, is Brian. You didn't like that one, Brian? Uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. I wonder if More you, memes. If you Google search Two Girls, One Cup, like, what would you, like, if I was, a, I don't know, in sixth grade and I needed to write a, you know, book report about 2002, I guess. I don't know when this, when that uh, was a meme. Um, would that even be considered a meme? I have, I don't, I, yeah, I guess so. Is it pronounced I, I GIF a meme is, or GIF? Oh, it's it's GIF. I don't care what the inventor of the format says. Yeah. It's GIF. It's, it just it's sounds a, terrible. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's Well, it yes. is pronounced uh, graphical uh, interface. So, um, oh, yeah. anyway, getting back to... Uh, <laughs> you ever go to the zoo and see those giraffes? <laughs> yep. So, uh, <laughs> getting back to the business at hand, we are here to review episode... Uh, for season two, Garden of Bones. Um, this is the title of this episode is a shameless ploy to get us to uh, think that Danny's plot is um, interesting at all. I gotta tell you, it is not. It's pretty awful. Um, yes. As a whole, this I, I think this 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 episode wasn't too bad. I want to say it had a little bit of shocks, uh, not shocks, but you know what I mean. Like, uh, you know, the ending was pretty powerful. Um, I didn't in mind as much of the back and forth. Um, what are your impressions? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this was a grim episode, and we'll talk about a scene where I didn't even watch the entire scene. I couldn't do it. Um, but I, I, in retrospect, I think it was a powerful episode in that there was a lot going. I, I mean, there's some of the characters met some people, people they didn't know before. Um, we meet some characters in the, the episode. Um, I, I mean, I thought it was good. I, I wasn't. It was good in like a uh, Walking Dead, where it's just so grim, like you can't even believe how grim it is. Speaking uh, of manner. which, speaking of which, uh, I'm finally caught up with Walking Dead, and I'm thinking about uh, podcasting about it. So uh, we'll put a uh, survey up on the Twitter. Um, Brian, you want any part of that? Uh, none whatsoever. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> But yeah, I agree with you. I think this is the uh, most entertaining episode of the season, um, at least from my me- remembrance of the past three episodes. Which, I, you know, to be honest, I've kind of already forgot about them. Moved on. Sure, sure. Well, let's right. launch into it, Doug. All right. So uh, we start off in a rainy Lannister ca- uh, camp, and a couple of Lannister uh, men, I guess, are arguing about who the best fighters in the Seven Kingdoms uh, is. And this is an argument that many. Um, you know, lesser Game of Thrones fans, I guess, engage in. So it's kind of, I guess, a wink to the not audience. I don't know. Um, you hear this described on other podcasts. and like, well, if, you know, if the Hound had to fight, uh, you know, Gregor, you know, if he gets to, what's that going to be like? It's just, just some dumb... Like, Why don't you just shit on your audience? Jeez. <laughs> I mean, some of this, some of these deplorable pieces of shit uh, actually spend their time <laughs> thinking about, <laughs> thinking about Those uh, the- who would win in the fight. Those within the basket, of course. Yes, the bread basket. All right, the so, basket of the portals. So after um, <laughs> after an incident involving flatulence and the mention, the casual mention of Renly being gay, which uh, obviously is not a secret at all, um, mm-hmm. the couple is taken unawares by Grey Wind, and an epic battle ensues in the theater of the mind, um, <laughs> because they're not going to show any of that shit, um, and uh, basically the Northerners attack. Uh, and destroy the army. Um, afterwards, they're going through the aftermath. Um, 
you know, because it's easy to stage bodies on the ground on uh, cheap. So uh, Lord Bolton wants to execute the useless prisoners um, and torture the officers for secrets. Rob objects because basically he's a goody two shoes. Um, and Roz, er, Roz, <laughs> Roos and Rob uh, come upon a silent sister taking care of a dude who's, uh, you know, uh, I think his, his leg needs to come off and he's being a little baby about it. Um, <laughs> Rob helps hold him down as a good king should um, so this guy can get his leg head off, hacked off. Uh, the the woman who's not the silent sister that's helping do this or basically in charge here, her name is Talissa, and uh, she has this one of these famous, uh, stupid Game of Thrones philosophical arguments about uh, whether all the carnage is worth, um, you know, whether Rob going to war is basically worth it, all this death and destruction. Um, and she, you know, walks away and he stares at her like an idiot because I guess he likes girls that aren't into him. Um, and that's basically it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I fell in love with my wife while we hacked off some dude's leg in the field. <laughs> Do you remember actually, when I first saw you? You yeah. <laughs> were trying to get off some you dude's leg, and I had to hold him down. Song. He called me yeah, a motherfucker. I, I, I was positively enchanted when I saw her stall I saw that, that flesh hanging off of your, your skirts, and I was like, this is the girl for me. That's that's my gal. Uh, it was it was interesting seeing Roos for the first time. We've heard about him to some extent prior, and you know it's funny now in retrospect um, seeing Roos being an advisor to Rob Stark um, after we know of the betrayal. Eventually, right. um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that he switches from a, a on the on the battlefield um, advisor to just completely betraying him. Um, yeah, I think he would have been. I think he would have gone along if he would have uh, respected Rob, or if Rob would have been more cold and calculating, like a, Ty- a Tywin Lannister type. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but I think he doesn't. The other thing I thought was, I thought it was the the shot uh, of when they first revealed Grey Wind and then cut to Rob and all of the guys sitting mm-hmm. on their horses. That was a really incredible shot. I thought yeah. you kind of knew it was coming, but man, it it, it looked cool. Yeah, and they had some ominous music. Like I said, uh, I yeah. would have loved to have seen some slaughter, but the the show just doesn't have the budget for it, even in season season two. So, yeah, oh, especially in like season two. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they. So next week, real quick though, but like uh, we talked about, you know, uh, these guys casually mentioned that uh, Renly is gay, and um, it's it's told to be like a big secret, or like maybe it's Renly just in denial. Um, but it's almost like uh, Littlefinger's trying to hold it over everybody's head. Like last episode, he was trying to get Large Marge or like manipulate her, or try to get something over on her um, by saying that he knows that, you know, Runley's um, gay and banging her brother. Um, but it seems to be no big deal, or at least it seems to be a very, very open secret. Yes, absolutely. We kind of debated that last week. And the fact that these uh, dumb shit soldiers know, I mean, I think everybody knows. Absolutely. So, All right. yeah. So next we cut to Joffrey in the throne room, and he's got a crossbow trained on Sansa because he's super cool. Uh, he, he asks one of his uh, lackeys to explain what happened, and the lackey blames the loss uh, in the field on magic and cannibalism. Uh, he decides he wants to send a message to Rob Stark, so he asks Sir Maron Trent, King Cool, to beat 
Sansa. Thankfully, Tywin or, or Tyrion arrives and puts a stop to the shenanigans. Uh, Tyrion compares Joff to the Mad King and attempts to console Sansa. And it, the, I really like the dynamic between uh, Bronn and, and Tyrion in the scene uh, because Sir Maron Trant uh, tries to kind of uh, get sassy with Tyrion and Bronn. Uh, Tyrion tells Bronn to kill <laughs> Sir Maron Trant next time he opens his mouth, Was which is the good. difference between a threat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so they, they as um, Tyrion and Sansa exit the uh, well. First, Tyrion tells uh, someone to cover up Sansa, which the Hound steps up, and we kind of see the Hound emerging. What a nice kind of guy! I mean, he wasn't gonna. Yeah, you know, he didn't stop her from getting beaten, but first one to like cover up. Yeah, I wonder if he had been commanded to beat her, what would have happened? Yeah, um, that's but, strange. Yeah, it's in, yeah, uh, it's no answer there, of course. So on the way out, Tyrion asks whether uh, he should stop the marriage, and Sansa adopts the line, I love my king, etc., which shows that she's actually becoming more and more savvy as to how to save her life. Uh, so then in a conversation between Tyrion and Bronn, they blame Joff's uh, <laughs> being a real asshole on this horniness, even yep. though Bronn says there's no cure for being a cunt, That's, yeah, which is a great I, line. I actually wrote that down like I was like uh, I was doing the you know I I go through and I watch show and I pause it and I write my notes and I was like yeah this will solve his horniness but he's it's not going to cure him being an asshole and then like the next line was like it's not there's no cure for yeah. a cunt and I was like oh that's pretty close I write for this show yeah yeah good line so then we see Joff uh, going to his chambers and the hound is there and apparently Tyrion has uh, hired prostitutes. Uh, he becomes cruel and uh, to the prostitutes. And actually, I, I, I skipped the scene. I just can't. Yeah. It's too much. This was a, a, a famous D&D shameful moment where they reveled in it. Like, you know, this seemed to go on forever. Like, you knew it was going to go dark and they could have just cut to, like, uh, somebody outside the chamber and, like, the, the you know, the screams turn from playful to being actual pain. And it would have caught it would have got across. I, I don't know. Uh yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know what they were trying to convey that we didn't already know. That Joffrey is so a sadist. Like, like he's a he's a sadist. Like, uh, did we not know that? Well, we knew that he liked to torture. He just had and, a crossbow aimed at Sansa. You know. Yeah, I guess, but we didn't get a lot of this. It, you know, in the show or in the books, uh, he's killing, uh, you know, kittens and cats with his crossbow, and you actually see this, like, you know, yeah. pseudo uh, or the uh, pre serial killer like behavior out of Joffrey. Um, but we don't see that much besides, you know, he's he's just been an asshole to Sansa and he had somebody else um, take off Ned Stark's head. But he's never done anything violent to anybody with his own hand or like directly. And this is as direct mm-hmm. as it gets. Obviously, he didn't, you know, he had somebody else do it still. Um, but it was sickening and it didn't really do any Like it, it, these people have a problem, right? I, I'm not just a, I don't know. A weirdo who think who's like over, who's over uh, blowing this whole thing about uh, violence towards women. No, you sound like a real cuck. <laughs> um, no, it's no, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, to me, it's over the top, and I. This is the kind of scene that makes me like not not like the show, and I don't know why they do it. Right. And it's just like we talked about. You can do this kind sort of thing in a lot less graphic manner and get the point across just as well. I think. Right, as long as it um, serves a narrative reason, purpose yeah. too. I mean, what's the narrative purpose? Joffrey's 
None. An unbelievable piece of shit. Like he's already a piece of shit. This it, they did this too with um, you know, uh, Ramsey later in the show. We're like all this scene, all just like these scenes that were just uh, Ramsey's a piece of shit. Okay, and then we get another scene uh, later next episode, and he does uh, something else horrible. Ramsey's a a real big piece of shit. Okay, we got it. Um, yeah, there just seems to be no excuse. Uh, yeah, going back the yeah. lackey. Real, oh, sorry. Go ahead. This is we. This is kind of well trod territory, so we can kind of move on from complaining about. No, it's a hot that, take. But, yeah, exactly. So, but uh, but the lackey who was saying that uh, was reading the reports was actually Lancel Lannister, and he has new hair. You see this a new oh, that's right. wig? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what yeah. the fuck's going on. Like it was like a, you know, like a real like fake blonde, you know, goofy looking. Uh, I don't know Prince Charles haircut. I don't even know who Prince Charles is. It's probably a real person. Not uh, yeah, I don't know anything about uh, English history. But anyway, yeah, he's uh, married to. Go ahead. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, his his uh, wig is just out of control, uh, and it's all over the place. But um, uh, what else did I want to say? Uh, yeah, uh, Trant is a piece of shit, and they already established him as a piece of shit who deserves to die. They could have just shown flashbacks yes. to this instead of once again showing oh, Aaron Trant, uh, you know, younger molesting younger. a teenager, like a a small girl. Um, yeah. Yeah, these people are. I think D and D are just terrible people. They they need like yeah. a they need a producer above them to like just for maybe I don't know like um, their mom on. What about set? fucking George R R Martin saying no? You don't get to like take the the elements that are questionable in my books and make them completely sickening. But uh, I guess he doesn't have that much power. Yeah. So where do we go next, Doug? All right. So we go to the Ren Fair. Um, <laughs> if you. Because it's Renly's walka, walka, walka. And Littlefinger meets uh, Renly on behalf of the Lannisters, and it is unclear right off the bat what La- uh, Littlefinger's actual intentions or agenda is. He alludes uh, that if Renly's march towards King's Landing can end two ways, with an extended siege or with the gates being opened for him, uh, which we'll talk about that in a second. I'll put a pin in that. Uh, but later, Littlefinger is walking, and he gives Large Marge shit about... Um, her husband being gay. Oh, this is something I alluded to earlier. Um, just, I guess, to show he's got leverage on her. Um, but she doesn't care. Um, you know, she says that, you know, my husband is my husband. My king is he's my king. Uh, who gives a shit? He'll get pregnant or I'll get pregnant by him and that's it. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, so let's start. Let's go back to the first part. What is Littlefinger's agenda here? Um He's obviously sent by I the Lannisters, no but I, I don't know what he's he's gonna accomplish. I think Littlefinger's agenda is always himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, I think I mean I think that we have to assume that he was actually sent there by the Lannisters, at least Tyrion, because he has uh, Ned Stark's bones with him, as we'll get to. Um, so I think that he is there, but I think that he is perfectly willing to sell out the Lannisters. At his first opportunity, if it will allow him to remain in a position of power, right? Because I think he knows that if Renly is able to advance with his hundred thousand people, uh, Renly's the guy that's going to win. Especially if Renly is able to uh, team up with the Starks. Uh, I mean, the, the Lannisters would be done at that point. I, I agree, but what was what do you think the Lannisters or Tyrion's intention was to send Littlefinger there? What was he supposed to accomplish? I don't know. 
I'm not entirely sure. Uh, well, this God. is a show invention because uh, Littlefinger does treat yeah. with um, the Tyrells after uh, Renly is killed by his brother. Um, and he's who brokers the deal with bringing the Tyrells in, and that saves the King's Landing um, from the backwater or the Battle of the Blackwater from Stannis. Spoiler alerts, we might spoil um, the rest of the books the show for you. One and only. Um, so yeah, I don't understand what he's doing there except for have to have him have this chance encounter with Cat, which comes up later. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. The, uh, the other explanation is, I mean, I don't know that there is an explanation. What? Yeah. I mean, it, other than because it, it's not like Tyrion yeah, would send Stark's... him to Renly's camp because I mean, Renly doesn't really care about the Stark girls, right? You know, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't get it. And You're he right. has Ned Stark's bones, but why would he go south? How would he know that Cat's there? And even if he knew Cat was there, why wouldn't the bones just get sent north? Uh, I don't know. It, it's just, it's mind-boggling. It doesn't make, this is a show yeah. invention. This just doesn't happen. And um, this is different from another show invention, which I actually like, where they're just trying, the show's having fun with it and getting characters that normally wouldn't interact in the books actually to interact on the show. Um, but this interaction between that, that we'll get to between Cat and Littlefinger, I think, falls flat and is a little um, unnecessary. Yeah, I, I did like the uh, I did like the interaction between Littlefinger and Marjorie. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it looked like Littlefinger was waiting for, her, and I think it shows that uh, this is one of the first times we get. I mean, actually, it's the second time probably that we get the picture that Marjorie is uh, she she's she's a smart girl and she knows uh, what she knows the score and she's up to the challenge. She's able to hang with Littlefinger, which I think he's one of the more clever people in the show beyond maybe varies. Uh, so I did I did like that interaction between the two of them. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know if it served any purpose. Besides, no, probably uh, besides not. showing, I think it it fleshed out Marjorie. Um, as a character, I think that's about it. Yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that. So next, we head to Essos, and we have the world's worst Khaleesi, and mm. one of her riders has returned from Karth, and apparently they are welcome to go to Karth. And uh, uh, what's his nuts? Um, Jora. Yes, Jora Mormont says uh, that's that's where the Garden of Bones is, but apparently they don't have any choice whatsoever, other than heading over to Karth. Yeah, this is a waste of time. Yep, big time. <laughs> Danny's storyline she doesn't do any. She doesn't do much in book two, and they they for some reason cram her into every episode this season, and they invent a whole big storyline for her. And she does have a storyline in in the book. It's just not that elaborate. It's she's really not the focal point. Um, no, and I do I do think that this this story her storyline in the second season is important because it allows her to actually gain some wealth to fund her army. Um, it just it's so drawn out and a lot of it's boring and pointless. Yeah, I, I just don't I think she could have taken a step back and maybe checked in with Danny every other episode instead of every single episode. Um, yeah, it, we could have found we could have done both we could have done everything up to now. This is episode four. Could have done everything that happened now. Uh, in one episode, easily, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, then we. I'm sure that this kind of shot is real cheap, though. You know, you fill up a couple minutes with just people talking in a desert. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. super cheap. Like, what's the set like? Oh, we got it. it that's thing. It's free. It's outside. Well, you go outside. Exactly. <laughs> we just go outside. Yeah. Okay, so then we end up at Heron Hall or Heron Hall. Uh, there's only one L at the end of. It. I don't know if it's Hall or 
Al. But anyway, the Night's Watch kids, uh, Arya Gendry and Hot Pie, show up. Uh, and the place doesn't look too inviting. It's all burnt up and melted by dragon fire. It smells of death and balls. Um, the Night's Watch kids are escorted to a cell with others, and they learn that every day one of the captives is tortured and questioned uh, to death. Um, and there's an old lady in the cell with them, and she's just hilarious. She's an old lady who's just staring off into space, and she says, she, would they hear somebody getting tortured, and then eventually the screams die, uh, as presumably the so does the prisoner. And she says, that was my son. Uh, yesterday it was my sister. Day before that it was my husband. Uh, I was like, this sounds like a fucking country song. Um, it just seemed ridiculous, but... Uh, you know, we're just getting we're just establishing that um the gang has gone to a bad place here. They're not in they're not doing well, let's say. Yeah, and the stink of death is so bad that they smell it outside the castle. Mm-hmm. Um and I, and I also would like to point out they didn't really have a cell. They more had like a pen. I mean I, that thing wouldn't Yeah. That would that thing wouldn't contain a dog. I mean a dog bigger than say a wiener dog, you know? Um but yeah. Keep your potty mouth out. Okay, so just a history lesson for everybody. Heron Hall, or Heron Hall, um, was the biggest castle in Westeros, and they it took forever to build, and it was completed right when Aegon landed, um, so it's roughly 300 years old, and Heron the Black was the king of the Iron Islands and the Riverlands. This is back when the Iron Islanders weren't just relegated to their shitty little islands. They actually had uh, a mainland foothold, and this was their seat of power. So it was the biggest, fanciest castle uh, in the Seven Kingdoms, and Aegon the Conqueror came over, and uh, Harrenheld refuses to kneel, so he burnt them all alive in their castle and melted stone. Uh, so that's pretty cool, right? It is, and I don't think they ever said the word Harrenhal in this episode, but we we know that Stannis in a prior episode, or not Stannis, uh, Tywin in a previous episode said that he was taking his gang to uh, to Harrenhal, and he shows up later in this episode. Yeah, I don't think they ever said Harrenhal. They uh, no, in uh, the end of uh, when they killed Lamy Greenhands, uh, mm-hmm. they said you know like one of the henchmen like in the background, and this may be because I had the closed captions on. Said we're taking him to Harrenhal, and um, we heard the the name Harrenhal or Harrenhell, whatever, uh, in reference to Littlefinger as a prize for. Um, you remember when Tyrion told the three lies to Pycelle, Varys, yes. and Littlefinger? It was going to be the reward, and they revisited it when um, Tyrion sent him south to treat with uh, Renly, I guess. So we've heard yeah. the name several times, so this is the first time we're seeing it. Sure, sure. Whatever. All right, where do we go now? It actually, at the end of that scene, we see uh, Ari is, uh, she's laying on the floor in the rain trying to sleep and she's repeating her names so now we've got um, oh is this the, is that the first time it happens i, I don't know if it is who cares I, it might she, not be but, but we but might the, as well break well, let's talk about it so yeah she finally has her prayer which um she didn't come up with it was yoren's idea yeah totally ripped it off yeah like carlos mencia <laughs> that's wait that's a good reference that's only like seven years old yeah exactly so next we see uh cat and Littlefinger arrives in her tent cat accuses him of being a traitor Littlefinger, in response tries to hit it uh she's not involved not interested in tow <laughs> at all uh she attempts to kick him out of the tent but of course uh Littlefinger, being the master manipulator uh brings up uh cat's daughters and he lies that he has uh aria 
Corsilia, Sansa. I mean, this little finger knows people's weak spots. It's it's really yeah. uh, really well written when you see him just turn uh, turn the tables on someone like this. So he attempts to negotiate with Cat uh, to trade Jamie Lannister for the the girls, which. I don't know that this made a lot of sense because what would happen if they show up with Jamie Lannister and then, hey, he's missing Arya Stark, you know? Right. It It's, yeah, it's not a good this, deal. No, and it throws into even further confusion whether this is a Lannister-sanctioned uh, trip by Littlefinger. So Littlefinger, as a show of good faith, has brought Ned's bones, um, which he says is a sign of good faith in Tyrion. Um, I, and this is, this is actually where I wrote, what is, what is the plan here? It doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so the only thing I can, if I'm going to make, if I'm going to try to make logic out of that, I think it's, uh, Tyrion, who is the decent Lannister, uh, showing it as a sign of apology, sending, t- um, Littlefinger with Ned's bones. Um, but I think the one of the things I hate about this scene um, is that it, it's another situation where it robs agency from one of the characters having their own idea, uh, and it's being implanted by Littlefinger now. Because it, when when Catelyn frees Jaime later on, she has zero assurances that uh, she'll get her daughters back. She does this as a rogue move, uh, saying, "Sir, I'm letting you free. Uh, like, you know, Brienne's going to escort you there, but you promised me on your oath as a knight." that you will return my daughters to me in return. Um, so this is something that she comes up with, just like uh, Arya and her prayer, and it's another thing where they have to give it an inception by another character, so I don't like it. Uh, another thing, I don't know how... Uh, so Littlefinger comes in there and basically just tries to kiss her. I mean, he probably had better luck trying to grab her pussy. But, uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's a Donald Trump reference. Okay, so yeah, so this is 2016 um, when we're recording this, so go back and look it up. But uh, and then he gives her his her husband's bones, and some for some reason she doesn't get wet, and he wants to give her a bone. <laughs> like, yeah, like I I want to put her in the mood. How huh? here's here's your husband's dead rotting corpse. Um, and fate has given us a chance to bang. Yeah, he actually said that. He said fate has prote- yeah. has given us an opportunity. Just some real desperate shit here. Um, it just makes Littlefinger look pathetic. Uh, this is one of these scenes I don't know what the point of it was, besides, like I said, having two characters who don't interact in the books, at least not in this way, have a little bit of interaction here. I don't think Cat uh, ever sees Littlefinger again after she leaves King's Landing. Uh, I could be wrong. No, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It is it, terrible. and I think, But I think that's one of the... Um, I don't know... I mean, it, this might be uh, giving the writers too much credit, but it might be setting up, uh, setting up Littlefinger's love for Cat and how he actually, in the last season that we've seen, tries to go on above and beyond to protect Sansa. Um, it's possible, you know, but uh, uh, that, I think that would be a little bit. Uh, I think that might be giving them way too much credit. I, I think so too. Yeah. All right. So next we go back to Ari and Hall and the rest of the uh, get along gang. And apparently we meet the tickler for the first time, which is a character that Ari eventually adds to the list of people she intends to murder. Uh, I read online. He was described as an uh, quote associate of the mountain, which is kind of funny. Um, So in what way? that uh, he like is considered associate? an associate. Yeah, I mean, just like the the term associate, like it's a business. You yeah. know, he's yeah. a he's a torture executive. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Just the phrasing, I thought, I thought that was funny. But uh, So apparently they are torturing one person a day, and Hot Pie has a plan based on some other idiot in the pen with him <laughs> that uh, you don't look at the person selecting who is going to be tortured. Um, so then uh, I didn't remember, I didn't even put this together until this rewatch. I watched the show a few times. The third rate mountain is actually there. Yeah, the tallest, skinniest mountain ever portrayed on TV. I know it's he's not a mountain. He's like a rocky outcrop. Yeah. Um, so uh, hot pie, the uh, mountain selects someone else. The guy to, who stares down the mountain, who he got the idea from. Yes, exactly. And so then hot pie pees himself. Hilarious. We, oh no, no, totally funny. <laughs> Couldn't stop laughing. So, so we see uh, the torture method, which is they throw some rats in a bucket and heat up the bucket. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Pretty gross. Yeah. Pretty gross. And it turns out this guy actually has some knowledge that they were looking for, the guy they selected. I don't think so. I think he just said it's the baker just to, like, because this is why torture isn't, um, you know, a great method for extracting information, because people will just say whatever you want to hear. Yeah. So well, who then, knows? Yeah, that's not possible. No answer to that. Uh, so then uh, everyone, and we again see Arya and everyone going to sleep in the little camp there, and uh, Poliver is added to the list. Of people to kill yeah that's about it we have uh poliver was uh, if we remember poliver and she should have added him to the um list because he's the guy that kills lami with needle after he takes it from her yes um mm-hmm. so she, he should have been on the list to begin but like he like kicked somebody i can't remember slapped around in this episode so yeah um not much to say here um it's just it's invoking two people that are on her list and I don't know if she kills them both in the show, um, but she definitely kills, I want to say, Polliver and gets Needle back in the book. I don't know if she gets the tickler, but we'll see. They, she might have killed him at the same time, or the Hound might have killed him. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember either. Actually, are you sure that um, Jack and Hagar didn't kill the tickler? Uh, in the books, Jack and kills Wheeze, which is uh, Arya's, like... Slave master at Heron Hall before uh, Roos Bolton gets there. Of course, we're, we'll get into that later because um, Roos Bolton ends up not coming there, at least not yet. Um, but we'll get there. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So where do we go next? We go to the Stormlands, I guess. And Stannis and Renly have decided to have a chat about who should be king. Uh, and and surprising enough, they don't agree. Um and Catelyn ch- chastises them for being spoiled little kids. Um, and Stannis gets all huffy, and he's like, well, why are you with him? Uh, you should be standing by me because your husband died to give me the crown by rights, blah, 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 blah. Stannis also offers Renly a seat on his small council and offers for him to make him his heir, at least until a son is born to him. Uh Renly, of course, rejects the offer because what is he going to do now? He's already raised an army. It's too fucking late to go back. Um, if he accepted Stannis's like plea deal, he would be a joke, and you know nobody would respect him going forward. So he's kind of fucked. Um, but that's about it. You know, Stannis says he'll destroy him otherwise. I think it's an interesting dynamic because you know Stannis being a man of the letter of the law, it's probably like a huge compromise to him. To offer to offer Renly a seat on the small council. Yeah, that was probably that's that's the closest thing as saying I love you. I think that you're going to get out of Stannis. 
Exactly. Yeah, and we get so Melly Mel getting the mix a little. Um, yeah. And throws some of this uh, the the Lord of Light stuff at him. Um, and you know, Stannis is absolutely right about uh, about his point that that Ned died for his claim. Um, you know, I, I don't know what what Renly what right Renly has other than hey, I'm more popular. That's it. You it's know, the popular vote. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's a very interesting dynamic. And I did like the end of of the scene where Renly says something along the lines of uh, I, I still lo- I used to love him or something like that. Right. But yeah, it's crazy that Renly has 100,000 people on his side because he's cooler than Stannis because Stannis is more or less a dickhead. But uh And and yeah. I guess it goes back to the uh the the riddle that um Varys puts forth, who has power? Uh, yes. It's whoever believes in in you, which makes you think that like if the if it really is democratic, they would just elect somebody who's not a fucking nobleman, you know, uh, to lead them. But it's kind of uh, democratic, I guess. So uh, they're basically choosing a different leader. And I mean, you know, I guess it makes sense. It's hard to, uh, I don't know. Like, if you want to follow the rules, it's just like. You know, and even in Monopoly, when they say bank error in your favor, collect $200, there's no option in Monopoly to like go, oh, well, can I give the $200 back to the bank? Because no one's going to do it. It's it's when there's <laughs> like, you're not going to follow the rules when you don't like how the rules come out. It's like when we promote democracy in a land and then the people uh, as the U.S., def- you know, supports democracy in a land and then they elect a tyrant. Uh, or the election doesn't go the way we want. It's hard for I don't know. What am I trying to say? I just I think I'm rambling. Another Doug ramble. Uh, but essentially, uh, let's bring it back to Vari's point, where power is where the people believe it is, and no one believes in Stannis. No one likes Stannis. No one wants Stannis to be their king. So Renly had a great point when he said that they, you know, people deny it. You know, in the streets they deny it in their beds. Babies deny it in the womb. You know, turtles deny it in their shells. Um, sure. All that shit. Yeah, yeah. Bears deny it; they're dead. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but it is—it's awful that these two brothers. I mean, they could have r- ruled Westeros. Yeah, they could have just split know. it in half. Like, I don't understand if they could just been like uh, co-kings. They could have been co-kings, the kings of the two kingdoms. I, I really think that could have worked, and maybe. Um, Somebody of more, I mean, I don't want to belittle Cat, but she wasn't able to get past that, and I don't think she could have. Maybe like if if their father was there or somebody they knew and love, um, you know, was there, maybe they could talk sense. But there was no one there that could bridge the gap between those two. I don't think. No, because of Stannis's hard headedness, and because of Renly has the power. I mean, you know, it's, it's so. Anyways, it makes for uh, good so drama. We, it's obviously what it is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes, this was a great scene. I thought. Yeah. So, so next we go back to the wasteland, and Danny arrives at Karth. Uh, a toad man, some other soldiers, and some <laughs> other people <laughs> go out to meet her. And apparently, this is the thirteen. Yep. This is the governance of Karth, and they want to see the dragons before they allow her into Karth. Seems reasonable. And, I don't understand why the fuck she doesn't just say, here's the dragon, let me in. Yeah. No, cl- no clue. <clears throat> so instead she threatens the 13, says she'll come back and burn them all down if she's not let in. 
a large African American. Well, I guess it wouldn't be African American gentleman. It's a large black man steps forward. Southern argues, Islander, South, whatever. Southern Islander. Yeah. There you go. So uh, he invokes Sumai, which is a way of vouching for her as a. Oh. Whereupon she is let into Karth, and the gang of 30, 40, 50 ragtag ragamuffins enter Karth. And Karth does look pretty nice from the exterior shot of them walking in. It but looks a little too nice. Yeah, this is a stupid show invention. This yes. is really stupid. Yeah, let's, let's break this down. So uh, starting from the beginning, you're absolutely right. Why doesn't Danny show the dragon? So what's the situation? I don't – here's the only logical uh, – Reasonable explanation, and it still doesn't make any sense. She's afraid of them taking the dragons for themselves. Well, guess what? They can do that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they have the numbers. Like, they go out with a small group of people, but I'm sure they could be like, okay, turn away, go inside, get another 100 guys, and say, okay, let's go run them down and get these dragons, see if there's dragons. If not, we'll just take everything they own. So yes, I don't think she's no protecting sense. the dragons by not showing them. She's basically fucked. Um, so they're dumb for just not taking the dragons, or at least killing everybody there. Um, it, it's dumb. And when he evokes this Sumai crap, oh my god, it just reminded me of Star Trek, because he says, I invoke Sumai! And you see the other 13 look at each other, and it's like, each person was paired with another person to look at. Like, the rest of the 13 was 12 guys, and they all like looked at, the, looked at each other like in pairs. Uh, and it was so fucking stupid. It just reminded me of like a bad Star Trek. Um, it was just an awful, you're right, awful show invention. And it's one of these things where she does enter Karth, but they wanted to like add drama. One other thing, the, all these guys are wearing bugs. You ever see that? Did you see that on their... Um, no, I didn't notice. Yeah, everybody, including uh, Zaron, Zoe, and Duck Sauce, um, is wearing I bugs. I Duck Sauce too. Yeah, that's we're not the first first people to come with duck sauce, but I'm gonna put on sauce, a little stank on sauce. Uh, but yeah, they're wearing bugs on their clothes. So that's the costume designer going, "Oh, I, I have some, you know, <laughs> I have some play here. Maybe I can make them wear bugs. That's cool, right?" Uh, not really. No, not at all. Um, yeah, it's just this this whole Danny uh, plot line is just awful. In the books, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, she is when they arrive, she is welcomed by three people, and they like escort her right in, like they're yeah. excited. To see her. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, and I don't remember how the rest of the car storyline goes in the book versus the show. Uh, uh, I mean, I, this is I, what I just don't I remember. Know this yeah. what I remember is that uh, uh, Duck Sauce, they all want like. A dragon, or Duck Sauce wants to marry her, but he's. Um, Are you referring to the show or the book? The right book. Now? In the book, yeah. Duck Sauce is obviously gay, but like plays up how much he finds her beautiful and wants to be with her and wants to marry her, and he's willing to give her all these um, ships if she just gives him a dragon. So he's trying to work a trade in the deal, and so is everybody else there. Everybody's vying for her power, but they entertain her. They like they get her gifts, so you know they're trying to win her favor. So all these different factions are trying to get her um, affection, including one of the 13th, the um, Piat Pri, the creepy dude that was in the background, looks like, uh, you know, Skeletor um, without any armor on. Um, and he, you know, we do get the House of the Undying uh, situation in the book, which comes across as a show pretty poorly. Um, yes. But that's pretty much it. Um, 
I don't know if we meet Barristan in book two or not. We are in the middle of rereading book two, and we'll catch up to the show eventually, but uh, forgive us for our shocking la- lack of book knowledge here. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Uh, so where do we go next, Doug? We go to Heron Hall again, and we get a sweet uh, hammering of a head onto a spike scene, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to pick another person, and it turns out to be Gendry for questioning. And just before any real harm can come to him, um, and just like uh, Tyrion, uh, at the last minute when uh, Sansa's getting beaten up, Tywin comes in to save the day, and Tywin rolls up and says, what are you doing? Uh, These prisoners shouldn't be tortured to death. They should be put to work. Everybody gets to live. Yay! And he, you know, he learns, what do you do? And Gendry says, I'm a blacksmith. And he's like, you're about to kill a blacksmith. You're a fucking idiot. Arya and... I'm going to kill this boy. That's not a boy. It's a girl. Why do you dress like a boy? Uh, because it's easier to travel on the road. It's safer. That's smart. This girl could be my cupbearer. Yay. Um, this She's is a so real smart s- that she can hand him a cup. <laughs> <laughs> None <laughs> of you fucking idiots can afford, yeah. can, uh, can uh, give me a cup with wine in it. A hundred of them over the last year. Finally. Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any sense. This is one of these show inventions where... But I don't mind it because it gives us the opportunity later for Arya to interact with Tywin. And yeah. Tywin is kind of like a... Scene. What? It's a great scene. It is they, great. Because yeah. it, it, Tywin's like kind of like a uh, kindly old grandpa to Arya. It would have been great if we would have seen this uh, out of Tywin and, uh, in his affections towards anybody else, but it just doesn't exist. Um, but this is one of those inventions where I don't mind it because of what it's going to lead to, the interactions between these two uh, characters. I, you know, and and I know I'm going forward in the show, but I really wish that there was a scene between Tywin and Arya where he realized who she was and did like a what, you know, what? Like, a, like maybe yeah. when she was running away on a horse and he couldn't like go after her because there was like a fire in between them or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he ever realizes it, it was Arya Stark and he no, had her in his fucking breath. idiot. <laughs> I know, but that would have been so cool. Uh, anyways, so. Right. This scene was silly, but he's absolutely right about the war effort, uh, and we can just see how how badly the tickler and uh, and uh, the mountain are conducting the campaign. Although I think that if they had the the curtain mountain, they would have been doing a better job. Yeah, I don't. I mean, instead of third rate mountain. Yeah, and they're they're sacking and pillaging, and they didn't really push the fact that uh, these guys are basically looking for money more than anything else. Yes. Uh, yeah, Taiwan realizes. I think that. The amount of money that these poor villagers would have is not anywhere close to the value of a full of, of a capable blacksmith such as Gendry. Yeah, so, but that the capable blacksmith doesn't make the shitty uh, soldier any money. The tickler's not going to get you know a new gold necklace because the blacksmith blacksmith can make more swords for the Lannister cause. He doesn't give a shit. Sure, and you know I think that what is I think overlooked in the show. Is the lack of actual tickling done by the tickler? Yeah, they make no tickling. Him, they make him a lot more creepy in the book. He's like the guy I think who actually administers the the uh, torture, and he he loves it. Um, but yeah, this is just some dude who who gives orders and eats apples. Yeah, not no tickling. No tickling. Maybe it's like a, a giant guy called Tiny. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's ironic. Yeah. All right. So next we go back to King's Landing, and Lancel goes to see Tyrion. 
tells Tyrion that he must release Pycelle. Um, and this sassy version of Lancel makes me laugh a lot. I think partially due to the wig we talked about a little yeah, earlier. Yeah, wig is awful. It's awful. So Tyrion invites Lan- uh, Lancel in for a drink, and he refuses. Tyrion realizes that Lancel and Cersei are banging, and he, he kind of lures Lancel into a trap and to admit it. it. Yep. Yeah, and he points out how much trouble will be with, with Joffrey if he finds out that not only did, was Lancel involved in the murder of his father, but also he's now banging his father's wise mother. So um, Lancel tries to chalk it up to orders, but it's clear Lancel's he's just easily manipulated, especially by people as sharp as Cersei and Tyrion. So it, Lancel begs for his life, and Tyrion will let uh, will keep this keep these things secret as long as Lancel promises to be a spy for him as uh, for all Cersei's actions. Yep, and this is another one of those uh I don't know if it's a book and in, uh, show invention. I don't remember this from the book. Um but it's still I don't care because it's Tyrion showing uh political adeptness and he gets uh you know, he turns Lannis uh, Lancel into a spy for him, which is great. Yes. Uh and he does it very cleverly. Um I I wonder a couple things here. Um how did he know that Lancel was visiting Cersei in the middle of the night. Did Varys tell him, or does he have his own spies? Um, because I think it's that Lancel is delivering news in the middle of the night. Um, I, I don't would, think no, I don't think Tyrion's that smart to put that much. And, together. and then he also, I think he says that he smells like lavender, which is what Cersei Cersei's preferred scent. I, I don't think so. Like his Tyr- Tyrion doesn't seem like he had this epiphany and put it all together. It seemed like he was waiting for Lancel to show up, and he had this in the one in the chamber. Um, that's the way it came off to me, anyway. I don't know. I, I think I think uh, my opinion is that 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 Tyrion put those two things together. I mean, why? why I thought was... he was just doing a show. I think I think he knew what he was doing, and he just kind of like baited it along and kind of made it slow and like as if he was putting it together. Um, it because it seemed way too uh, aptly done to be something that just came up came to him on the spot i i don't know i don't know that that might be an unknowable question all right whatever who cares <laughs> yeah but my opinion is he he figured it out on the spot um but I, but it doesn't matter what? each way so now he's got lancel in his pocket yes absolutely mm-hmm. all right so then uh final scene is well two scenes but they're both linked so uh we're on a, a deer boat i guess a boat with a deer on it at the head and Stannis and Davos are reflecting upon Davos' punishment by Stannis and reward, uh, and how Dan- Davos wears his severed finger bones that Stannis cut off for being a smuggler uh, around his neck to give him luck, um, and asks him to go back to his smuggling ways for one night, uh, and he is to smuggle Melisandre into Renly's camp. Um, they go on a midnight boat ride, really romantic, um... They chat yeah. about <laughs> they chat about whether uh, they consider themselves to be good people, uh, and Davos says he's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, a reasonable stance. And of course, Melisandre the Zealot is like, "I'm all good, baby," um, you know. And then just this weird, uh, you know, fanatical religious uh, rhetoric about just ev- there, there's no logic. Like logic doesn't make sense. Like, oh, you know. Why do you have to do the magic in the? If you're a Lord of Light, how come you you do your work in the shadows? And she's like, "There's no shadows in the dark. It requires light to cast a shadow." And I'm like, 
all this bullshit. Um, you know, oh, yeah, just, I really tuned out during this conversation. Me too, but because it's yeah. just you know nonsensical. But it's just showing that she's a zealot. Um, well, and, you know, I think well, this is a mistake that I think that they make sometimes. Where the the philosophical discussions don't belong in the second half or the the the, the last third of the show. I agree because by then you've been you you've just been hit with an hour of this shit. You know, I don't know that you need. I mean, at least I kind of lose attention or lose attention, and then <laughs> you know that. Like, I would say that's the beginning when people are really interested in the show. But anyways, I, I, I agree with the the philosophical arguments in general. I hate when they take something that in order to cover these philosophical arguments, they'd probably have to spend 20 minutes on them and they're not going to. So they have to condense them down into these, like, I don't know. It's like kind of like what walking dead does only they do it a lot worse. Uh, on that show, I think more. My point is that when you're 45 minutes into the show, your yeah. attention is kind of lost at that point. And I, I think they're they're a lot better. Don't off worry, the boobies are coming. The movies are coming. the boobies. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Oh, god. Okay. Okay. Right. So, yeah. yeah, and also, uh, Melisandre at one point calls him. I was like, "You want me, serve Davos?" Yeah, that um, was weird. That was a little weird. Uh, and I don't know what she's trying to do. Like later on in the books, she does proposition. Uh, Davos to make a shadow baby uh, spoiler alert um, with her later but I don't know why she does it here besides just to make him uncomfortable and she succeeds uh, but after they so they <laughs> so they land on the boat and they're going down a tunnel um, and this is the Malgan and uh, I don't know you know I don't I don't know what's going on here but they can't go past this gate uh, and they barred a gate and he can't go through this cave or tunnel system that he's he was aware of, and Melisandre's like, yeah, no big deal, we'll do it here. And she starts to disrobe, and to reveal a very pregnant belly, uh, and she proceeds to give birth to a terror, uh, and Davos watched the whole thing, and it turns out to be a smoke monster, much like in Lost, and Davos's boner goes flaccid. And we end the scene. That's it. Yeah, they kind of mashed up two scenes from or two two incidents from the books. Yeah, that's what I was alluding to. Yeah, yeah, there was one where I think the first assassination of Renly involved um, involved uh, Stannis in his tent feeling sick, and I don't think that was any actual description of a shadow baby being born to go kill anything. But then there was a later guy, right? And I don't remember the name of that person, Penrose Courtney or Penrose. Yeah, he was the yeah. Castellian of. Uh, um, God, whatever their, whatever the Baratheon house is, uh, fuck, you guys know it, and you're probably yelling it right now, mom, into and the, so, to the iPod. So this one is actually closer to that because I think that they were actually smuggling tunnels that had been barred up as yeah in this under scene. the castle. That's what it was. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. in the book, we just see the shadow monster kill Renly. And then we find out how the shadow monster was made when Melisandre gives birth to a second one that kills Courtney Penrose. It storms in. It came to me. Boom. Yes, there you go. And so one of the first things I thought of was, man, what, how much power does King's sperm have if the king's blood is, is, leads to these uh, – leads to well, the king's blood leads to premonitions or, or visions of the future. King's sperm apparently leads to the ability to birth shadow assassins. Yep. And in season three, I looked this up because and I was eczema. curious about this. <laughs> season, t- <laughs> Jesus Christ! Season three, they actually explained that um, that it, it takes away some of the spirit of the 
the the the male donor, I guess would be a good way to put it, um, because Renly brings or Stannis brings this up, and that's actually why they go after uh, Gendry in particular because he has King's blood and, and he's healthy and he's not drained. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah. So another another one might have killed uh, might have killed Stannis. So that's the reason that they uh, they'll just keep pumping out shadow assassin babies. Yeah, but uh, you know they th- you think they would have. You know, stockpiled king somehow, uh, or uh, you know, uh, it, it doesn't. There's not a lot of logical consistency, but yeah, there seems to be a there's, prize. There's no logic, yeah. But there right. does seem the the logic is that there is a prize for creating these shadow babies, which is why there's not yes. an army of them to go kill everybody. You know, like Joffrey and Cersei and all these other people. But you got to one. You got to think: Are they one time use? Can they kill more than one person? Uh, you know, they have an expiration date on like gremlins can't feed them after midnight. There's a lot of unanswered questions about these smoke monsters. Um, it's just very curious. Um, yeah. And we'll get into it with uh, the later episode when we actually see Renly die. But in the books, it's alluded to that Stannis has bad dreams during the assassination as if he's the one doing it and he's puppeting the shadow monster almost, uh, because uh, Brienne or somebody says that the shadow looked like Stannis. Um, yes, in yeah. the tent. So I think they're just shortcutting it, you know. They're, they're to, to get to the point. Of course, you know? they are. Yeah, and I don't think that that's a bad uh, a bad compaction of multiple stories. It's not a bad idea. No, and it's like uh, it, it does establish Melisandre as having true power. You know, this all pays off with the resurrection of John much later. Spoiler alerts. That's your third one. Yes, I'm breaking all the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, like you said in season or episode one of this season, uh, she drinks the poison and doesn't die as a display of her magical power. But that's nothing compared to vomiting a smoke monster out of your JJ. Oh yes, no, and this 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 went out on a very high note because it's one of these things like what the fuck? I got to see what happens next. Yeah. This is good, good ending, good ending. Yeah, I wonder what's gonna come out of her butt. Podcast is canceled. <laughs> that might get cut, probably. Good idea. All right, so that's the episode. Uh, looking back on it, it wasn't great, but I I still think it was uh, much better than the 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 most recent one. So I'm gonna go ahead and give it a two point five. Uh, I think it wasn't bad. Middle of the road, entertaining, uh, but not great by any stretch of the me- uh, imagination. Uh, no, and actually, I looked up uh, online. It had really good ratings when it came out because, I, like, uh, like I discussed a little bit earlier, the grimness of the episode. Yeah, um, I did enjoy it. I mean, you know, it, and we keep saying this every week. Uh, uh, just a mediocre episode of Game of Thrones is still about as good as anything on television. Yes. Uh, all right. We hate the show, but we really love it, guys. Get over it. No, I, I don't hate it. I think there's yeah. things they could do differently, but. Um, they, they, the good episodes set, set such a high bar that was, it's just an okay episode. Mm-hmm. It's kind of disappointing. So, Ooh, what am I going to give it this week? Oh man. I think I'm thinking about moving to a soup rating paradigm. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, what, so, can you, can you kind of mix it like, um, a half sandwich and soup? So we can still get like that. Like, Oh, kinda, you want the, uh, pick two combo? The transition. Yeah. Like the Panera, <laughs> the Panera, um, you know value meal or okay. whatever. All right. I'll give this a Panera French onion soup mm-hmm. along with a, well, you know, they used to have this chicken salad 
that was the best chicken salad, and you get on the Asiago focaccia cheese bread. Mm-hmm. But they did away with it. They got some weird chicken salad with with grapes and shit in it, but still not bad. So I'm going to give it a current version of the chicken salad from Panera. Along so it's with, not as good as it could be. No, definitely not. Okay. No, it's probably about two point five to three. Okay. Along with the uh, French onion soup, yeah, which is it's a little bit too salty, but still not bad. You ever had beer cheese soup? Yes. Fucking delicious. It's got beer. It's got cheese. What else do you want? <laughs> yeah, it basically checks all the marks. Hopefully, uh, one episode yeah. this season will uh, will achieve that high standard. Oh um, man! All right, and in all seriousness, no, serious though. In all seriousness, though, uh, I am thinking about doing a mini, mini repeat, mini podcast about um, Walking Dead. That show, uh, much like Game of Thrones, when it does well, it does really well. But there's a lot more shitty episodes i think than great episodes for that show um and that's some bad writing like that's really bad there's not as much sexual violence in that show um but there's still some just just terrible writing so i think it's shameful i think it uh can be part of the um you know shameful uh family of podcasts so i might just do like uh since i don't think brian's gonna join me i might just do a quick like i don't know uh 15 minute recap and rant on what I liked and what I hated about the episode. And we'll put out a Twitter um, uh, survey so you guys can participate in that because you guys are such a great uh, participating fan base. We have a Twitter account? Yeah, it's called, it's at a Game of Throne without an S because there's only so many letters. So not only are the character restrictions for the posting limited, but also the length of your name. How about that? Isn't that interesting? All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you next Tuesday. And we do have a special guest who's never been on the podcast before. Get excited. So there's nothing else uh, for Brian. At least it's not your main. No, nothing else. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, See you next Tuesday.